Good morning to everyone. Luke 19 and verse 40. Luke chapter 19 and verse 40. Jesus says, If these be silent, the stones will cry out. If these be silent, the stones will cry out. We're going to focus on that statement this morning. It is not unfamiliar to hear Jesus talk about stones. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, Jesus is encouraging prayer there. He says, which of you, fathers, if your child asks for bread, are you going to give him a stone? If you then, being evil, know how to give good things unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father... Give good things to them that pray, that follow Him. We remember Jesus being in the wilderness, contending against Satan. Satan said, if, if you be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We remember Matthew chapter 3, 7 through 9, John is doing the work of the Lord, preparing the way for Jesus. Some Pharisees came to be baptized of him. And John said, who has, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, God is able these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And so here we have Jesus coming down from the Mount of Olives. He's coming to Jerusalem. He will, in just a few days, few hours really, offer himself on the cross. And there's a great deal of worship being offered to him. And he makes this statement. If these be silent, the stones will cry out. We're going to focus on worship together this morning. On worship And take our thoughts primarily from Luke 19 and verses 36 through 40. And think about worship. About worship. We know that we are to worship in spirit and in truth, John 4, 24. We're endeavoring to do that together today. But all of us want to be better worshipers. And so let's focus on just a few ideas that can help us to do that. First of all, first part of this lesson, we'll focus on just what is happening here, what happens with Jesus and those who are worshiping him. And then we will notice some reminders that are important for us as we uh, strive to become better worshipers in God's sight. First of all, notice that a vast multitude is worshiping Jesus. Notice that from verse uh, 37. A great multitude. Great multitude. In fact, if you combine the accounts, like from Matthew 21, verse 9, and Mark 11, and verse 9, you see that there's a great crowd behind Jesus as He's walking toward the city, and there's a great crowd in front of Him. There is a vast multitude worshiping uh, the Lord on this occasion. This is important for us to understand. It gives balance to what we read. And how we think. Okay. Now because of what scripture says. We often as we are studying Jesus. We, we bring out the idea that 
that the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and elders of the city, they are full of prejudice and envy and hatred, and that will eventually bring Jesus to the cross. But never let us forget that even in the midst of that, there are thousands upon thousands of people who get it. There are thousands upon thousands of people who long to listen to Jesus. There are thousands upon thousands of people who see that Jesus is the connection to God, is the connection to the Old Testament, that Jesus is the one, that he is the Christ, and they long to hear more. And so with that in mind, we're not so surprised to see this multitude praising uh, Jesus. We remember that Jesus fed on one occasion 5,000 people. We remember on another occasion he fed 4,000 people. Constantly there were thousands of people who were longing to listen to Jesus and his words. We remember reading in Mark chapter 2, 1 through 10, that there was such a vast multitude gathered together in one place that as they brought a man who was lame to be healed of Jesus to that place, they had to go through uh, the roof. And so it is very important for us to understand that there was a vast multitude here praising uh, the Lord. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, Paul gives a great summary of the life of Jesus, 1 Timothy 3, 16. He said, great is the mystery of godliness. Jesus Christ was manifested in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels. He was preached among the nations. And he was believed on in the world. And he was received up in glory. I love that verse. You do too. But notice that he was believed on in the world. And so we don't need to let our minds get skewed one way or the other. There were some who definitely had it in for Jesus. And that that was part of God's plan to bring him to the cross. But also there's a vast multitude, even while Jesus was on earth, that paid great deal of attention to him. So there's a vast multitude worshiping him on this occasion. Notice this also. Jesus is definitely worthy of this worship. Jesus is definitely worthy of this worship. In your Bibles, you can see there in Luke 19, 37, they worshiped him because of the works that he had done. All the mighty great works that he had done. This is why they are worshiping him. What did they have on their mind? Perhaps they still had the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead on their mind. Perhaps the healing of Bartimaeus, uh, Luke 18, on their mind. Perhaps they have many other of the works of Jesus on their mind. But we know this causes us to reflect upon how Jesus is worthy, most definitely worthy of our following, worthy of our serving, worthy of our, our worship. Look in your Bibles to John chapter 5 just quickly. John five thirty one through about 39. You'll notice Jesus saying, I do not bear witness of myself. Others bear witness of me. In other words, he says bear witness. He says others bring testimony to show that I am the Son of God. I don't just have to do it uh, myself. And he mentions several there. He mentions the testimony of John the Baptist. And then you'll keep reading. He mentions the very testimony of the Father in heaven himself. Because the Father spoke from heaven saying on occasion, this is my beloved Son, like when Jesus was, was on the Mount of Transfiguration or at the baptism of Jesus. The Lord spoke from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am, am well pleased. 
In John 5, 36, Jesus uh, mentions that His very works testify to who He is. John 5, 39, Jesus says the Scriptures. He says, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they that bear witness of Me. And at the end of John 5, you see that Moses himself personally bore witness of Jesus and wrote of Him. And so you see that Jesus is definitely worthy of this following, worthy of uh, this worship. Next thing, notice Jesus permits this worship. Permits this worship. This is important. Okay. We remember in, in reading in Acts chapter 10, 25 and 26, when Peter came to preach the gospel to the household of Cornelius, that Cornelius was so excited about learning about salvation that he fell down at Peter's feet and Peter quickly said, you stand up. You do not fall at my feet. You stand up. I am a man just like you are. Or what about the time in Revelation chapter 22, 8 and 9, when as John had been receiving these visions and these, these revelations from heaven, and, and the angel was involved, and John fell down at the angel's feet, and the angel said to him, I just love this verse, Revelation 22, 8 and 9. The angel said, I'm a fellow servant with you, John. I'm a fellow servant with your brothers and prophets. I'm a fellow servant of all who keep the words of this book. We are fellow servants of the angels themselves. But the Lord permitted people. The Lord accepted people's worship. I'm particularly reminded on another occasion, Matthew 14, 33, after Jesus had walked on the water and He came into the boat, that all those on the boat fell down and worshipped Him. We remember in John 20, verse 28, that as, as Thomas worked through his mind and saw the very evidence of Jesus' resurrection and the very body of Jesus, that Thomas looked to Jesus and said, My Lord and my God. Jesus permitted people to worship Him because he, it was who He is. It is who He is. Jesus Himself says in Matthew 4, verse 10, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. We read in Hebrews 1 and verse 6 that let all the angels of God worship Jesus, worship Him. We'll refer to this one as well, Philippians chapter 2, 9 through 11. After it had said there in Philippians 2 that Jesus became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, it also says there that God has given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And at the name of Jesus, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're not surprised to see that Jesus would permit and accept worship from others. And then notice that the disciples in their worship on this occasion, Jesus is coming down. Can you imagine the occasion here? He's coming down from the Mount of Olives, heading to Jerusalem. There's a throng of people. They're swarming everywhere. There's a throng of them. There, there's a swarm of them behind Him. There's a swarm of them in front of Him. And as He's walking, what, a, what attention this must have drawn from others who are just carrying on normal life. But here He comes into the city. But notice this. The disciples worship with a great deal of enthusiasm. Notice in your Bibles in Luke 12, 37, once again, I think it is, that they, they worship Him with a loud voice. With a loud voice. They also, they paved the way for Jesus. They would take their garments and, 
and paved the way with their garments and their clothes. And they also took palm branches and laid them out, paving the way for Jesus. These were symbols of both submission and royalty and victory. Oftentimes, you might hear Jesus coming into Jerusalem during this final week as his triumphal entry. Indeed, that's what they're signaling here. They're saying, we are submitting to the king. He is our king. That's what they're saying. Hosanna to the king. He is our king. And we are submitting to him. He is coming in the name of the Lord. And they are worshiping with a great deal of enthusiasm. And then notice also here that Jesus defends this worship. The Pharisees, you'll notice it here in your Bible, Luke 12. That is Luke 19, 39 and 40. Luke 19, 39 and 40. Notice that the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, Are you not going to stop the people? Are you not going to rebuke them? Don't you hear? Don't you hear them? Don't you hear them? Are you not going to rebuke them? You know, even the children were singing. Jesus got into the temple that day. Even the children sing out to Jesus. Are you not going to stop these people? And that's when the Lord said, If these remain silent, the stones will cry out. I think we see what Jesus is saying. Sometimes, you know, in the Bible, God will personify something that doesn't really have personality traits. Inanimate objects, like if you go back to Psalm 148, you'll see, you know, the mountains worshiping God and the creatures worshiping God. That's, that's a way of emphasizing how that God is to be worshipped. Jesus is simply saying that here. He's simply saying to them, look, if these stop, then the Lord is still going to be worshipped. The Lord will be worshipped. It's the most natural thing in the world for people made in the image of God to worship the Lord. You're not going to stop people worshipping God Almighty. Now, Having seen these few facts about what's going on here in Luke 19, let's notice for ourselves some reminders that will help us all uh, to worship. First of all, think about how important it is to worship. I know that's easy to state, and all of us agree with this, but think about it a little bit further. The importance of worship. These folks, this, this swarm of crowd, they're worshiping the Lord and, and they don't know all of what's coming. But they have not yet been able to see the full unfolding of God's plan of salvation. This is, this is before uh, Jesus' trial. This is before Jesus' suffering. This is before His death. This is before His burial. This is before His resurrection. This is before 40 more days on the earth in His resurrected body. This is before His ascension on high. This is before the establishment of the church on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. This is before the completion of... This is before uh, Peter and John's work in the book of Acts. This is before Paul's travels. Look how much we now know and understand that these folks did not have knowledge of. And look what they're doing. Worshiping the Lord is of great importance to them. How much more then 
should it be for us who are now standing on this side of the cross and we have God's completed revelation in our hands, how much more important worship uh, should be for us. And then also think very carefully with me about the desire to worship. The desire to worship. And how that is to be so embedded in our very souls. Desire to worship. These folks on this occasion definitely had this desire. There were, you recall, that Rome is in charge. And they're allowing Pilate, Herod, others to be rulers in different districts, especially in Jerusalem. Rulers who might have a connection to Jewish religion. But Rome is in charge. They would have soldiers all about. But these soldiers standing about, it, this did not deter their worship of the Lord. They, they were minded to worship. Uh, their longing to worship the Lord is very evident here. Of course, that should be in our hearts as well. I'd like to share a verse together. Psalm 84, if you'd like to turn with me. Psalm number 84 in regard to our desire for worship. This psalm, this psalm, this song here in Psalm 84 is attributed to Korah. Notice what he says, beginning in verse 1, Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs. Yes, my soul faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy uh, to the living God. Verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. In these days, the worship of God was associated with the house of God. And so their desire was to be there and to be in worship. Notice Psalm 84 verse 10. A day in your courts is a better than a thousand anywhere else. Is that how I feel about worship? A day in worship is better than a thousand days doing anything else. And then he says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. So notice that desire that comes out there. And so it reminds us to examine ourselves to see where our heart is. Where is our heart? Do I have that heart for worship? Is it a longing for me? Is it a longing for me uh, to be in worship? It ought to be the case that if we don't do anything else in life, this is what we're going to do. If I don't get anything else in life, this will be in my life regardless of what else is going on. The desire for worship. And then the nature of worship. I believe this on this occasion as Jesus enters into the city that the nature of worship. Of course, as we mentioned before, worship has two sides. It has the side of truth. The side of truth. In our day, being under the covenant of Jesus Christ, we don't worship God by putting our clothes out in the way or, or tearing down branches from a tree. We worship, as we're doing this morning, according uh, to the truth. But nonetheless, 
the nature of worship is that we put our whole heart into it. You know, we said before that the disciples on this occasion, they are worshiping with enthusiasm. There really is no other type of worship. Okay? We, we just say things because that's how we know how to say them. But really, when you say worship, you are saying worshiping with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the idea of worship. It's one thing to be at worship. It's another thing to be in worship. We're to be in worship. And notice that they sing out and they praise the Lord with a loud voice. They didn't care who heard them. Their mind was on God. Their mind was on God. We are not here for anything else but the Lord. There's only one audience in worship, and you know that's the Lord God. There's only one audience. We're not here to perform for each There are no performers in worship. We're not here to performing for each other. We're only here for God. We're here for God. These clothes they laid out in the way is a sign of submission to Him. We're here to show the Lord our, our reverence, our respect, and our submission to Him. We are showing in worship what our life is going to be every time we're not in worship. We are showing in worship that we are dedicated to Him, and this is how our life is going to be, whether we're here worshiping together or whether we're out uh, serving Him in other ways. Nature of worship. And here's one of my favorite ideas. God delights in our worship. Let us be reminded of that. God delights in our worship. I want to be, and I think, I think you know, I want to be very respectful. We never, ever want to bring God down to the human level at all. But just as a way for us to understand. Think about it this way. A young family, busy, making a living, busy in the children's lives. They make their way to grandma's house. And they may not be there but three or four hours. But for grandma... That's the highlight of her life. That is the highlight of her week. Okay. And young people, when they're busy in life, may, may not think that's much at all. But then the grandparents look upon that as, as a changing, that's, that's, that's the light of their life for the grandchildren to come. So, being very respectful. But God looks upon us as His children. And He wants to hear from us in prayer. He wants to hear from us in worship. Notice in John chapter 4 and verse 23, Jesus is saying a time is, is a, a, at hand, a time is coming when all those who worship God will worship Him in spirit and truth. For God seeks, notice that, God seeks such to worship Him. And again, let me share from Psalm 147. Let me share from Psalm 147. You'll want to make sure you have this uh, underlined or circled or in your Bible shaded. Uh, Psalm 147, 11. Start in verse uh, 10. Psalm 147, 10, then 11. Speaking of the, of the Lord 
His delight is not in the strength of the horse. His delight, his pleasure is not in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. In those who hope in his mercy. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. In those who hope in his mercy. Folks, certainly worship is to be important. It is to be a desire for us. It is also a desire for God. Remember that as Jesus comes on into Jerusalem, there's going to be another swarm of children singing praise to Him. Jesus will refer to Psalm 8 and verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. Even there, when the children are singing, people will criticize this taking place. When Jesus said, have you never read? Have you never read what it says in Psalm 8 and verse 2? How can... I'm very serious. How can parents have a conscience and not bring their children to church? God made us, even little children, to know the Lord. God made little children and all of us to worship the Lord. If we don't get in a child's way, that child will love the Lord That child will love to worship the Lord. We must give proper guidance, but if we will keep our worldliness out of the way, that child will learn to love the Lord with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let us remember there are many today who still want to worship God in spirit and in truth. This occasion here, this occasion tells us this. The multitude of people behind Jesus and in front of Him Reminds us there are, there are good and honest hearts out here in the world. They're out here. They want to worship the Lord. They want to know Him better. We just be, we're on the search for them. Sometimes they don't make the news, but they're out here for sure. Let us compel people to come. Let us compel people to come and worship with us. Let us compel people to come and learn more about the Lord. That's what He would have us to do. The stones cry out. The stones cry out. When we think about a stone, Jesus in Matthew 4, He says, you ought to think about the Word of God. We think about a stone, Matthew 7, Jesus says, you ought to think about how the Heavenly Father wants to provide for you, and He will provide for you. We think about a stone, we ought to think about pure, and acceptable, and passionate worship before God. And let us never forget another stone. Mentioned in Matthew 28, verse 2. When on that first day of the week, an angel descended from heaven and came down and rolled that stone away from the tomb of Jesus. And when the women got there, there sat that angel on top of that stone and Jesus was not there. A stone reminds us also how our faith can be so strong in the Lord. The stones cry out. 
The Lord's crying out to us today, isn't he? For us to serve him with all of our heart and for us to worship in spirit and truth, worship in his name, and bring others to worship with us. May we be about doing that very thing. We can assist anyone today with the gospel of Christ in our hands and with love for the Lord in our hearts. We reach out to each other today. Can we help? Can we pray together? Can we study together? Will you make your wants and wishes known right now as we stand together, as we sing, Brother Tim?